This morning's text comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jacob. Again, as you know, we started a series um, based on the Gospel of Mark. And the series is titled, Following Jesus on His Terms. The Gospel of Mark, like the other Gospels, are an account of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And it's common for those who are interested in Jesus and want to be transformed by Jesus and maybe enlightened by Jesus uh, to want to follow him on their own terms. I think that sneaks into the hearts of all of us to follow Jesus on our own terms. But the problem is that won't change you. That cannot change you. We must follow Jesus on his terms. And his terms are the best thing for us. The Gospel of Mark presents the real Jesus through the eyewitness account of Peter written by Mark. And the real Jesus, the real Jesus calls you, he leads you, he challenges you, he forgives you, he inspires you, he teaches you, he walks with you for your good and for the good of the world. The real Jesus is both powerful and personal. And it's my prayer that all of us, as we go through this series in the Gospel of Mark, that we would know the real Jesus better than we did before. Last Sunday, we saw Jesus begin his public ministry, and the first words out of Jesus' mouth are repent and believe in the Gospel and we said that word repent is often misunderstood as something someone would say if they were scolding you for something bad that you did and rubbing your nose in it to try to make you change. That is not biblical repentance. That is messed up. The word repent means to turn, and not just turning from bad works to good works, but looking to and cherishing and trusting in the gracious work of Jesus for your good. And that is what changes you. That is the only thing that has the power to change your heart and therefore your life. And when that gets played out in your life, if, if you're angry at someone and you want to blast them, a repentant heart leads you to remember that God did not blast you, so you're not going to, it doesn't make sense for you to blast them. 
If, if you're tempted to hold a grudge, a repentant heart leads you to remember that Jesus forgave you and it only makes sense then for you to forgive them. See, without a thoughtful, repentant heart, we will just drift towards self-preservation and self-interest. Thoughtful repentance, thoughtful repentance inspired by God's grace toward you draws you into not only loving God, but also loving your neighbor in sacrificial ways. Now, Jesus did not just say, repent, but he says, repent and believe in the gospel. Now, the gospel is the word that means good news. And unfortunately, it is common for teachers and preachers to replace the good news with good advice. Now, good advice is fine, but good advice cannot change you. Good advice has never changed anybody because it does not have the power to change your heart. Only the good news of who Jesus is and what he has done in his death and his resurrection, his, his, yeah, death and his resurrection can change you. That's the only thing that can change you. So the first thing Jesus teaches, repent and believe in the good news. And right after that, you respond to the good news when he says, follow me. Follow me. That's what today's message is all about, following Jesus. Now, it is, here's, here's what I've come to, to see in my years of, of knowing Jesus and ministry, knowing my own heart and the hearts of, of many others, is that it is so incredibly easy to have an outrageously incomplete understanding of what it means to follow Jesus. It is so easy to compartmentalize your faith and follow Jesus in maybe one or two areas of your life, but not in all the areas of your life. Jesus, King Jesus, expects you to follow him wherever he leads you in every single area of your life, and it will cost you more than you thought. But I want to tell you it is worth it in ways that, that we have difficulty imagining. Now, if you're exploring Christianity, uh, following Jesus, and the way I just described, probably doesn't sound very good to you. And I get that. It didn't, it didn't sound good for me either for a long time. Now, one of the reasons is, is because the louder message of our culture says, do whatever makes you happy. Believe in yourself. Have a positive attitude. Follow your dreams. You could be anything that you want to be. And if you do that, your life will be good. At one point, I began to see some serious problems with that. Um, not just that I disagreed with it or, or starting to disagree with it, just that I was, under, I was beginning to understand how unhelpful that was and actually how hurtful that is. I mean, imagine saying to a people, imagine, imagine saying to a people who are suffering through severe poverty or people who are severely oppressed or someone who is 
chronically ill, physically or mentally, saying, you know what, you just got to pursue your best life now. Just believe in yourself and you'll have the life that you've always wanted. If you just think positively, you can be all that you want to be and have the life that you want. I came to see not only how shallow that is, but also how painfully insulting it is. That has left people disappointed, disillusioned, and disheartened. See, a a, a worldview that's shaped by highly curated best lives on Instagram or whatever turns out to be nothing but a mirage in the desert that gives you a false hope and then sucks the life out of you. Following that fantasy destroys you. See, what we need, what Jesus knows that we need, we need a worldview that will hold you together even in your darkest, most horrifying days. You need a worldview that will hold you together even in your darkest, most horrifying days. So Jesus lovingly commands us, follow me. And what's that look like? Well, later in Mark, Jesus says, deny yourself and pick up a cross. And it's the best thing for you. I mean, if you follow Jesus just for what he can give you, like joy and peace, you're not going to find it. But when you follow Jesus for the sake of Jesus and and what he's done in his grace and his love for you, you end up finding joy and peace even in your darkest days. Now, if you're taking notes, we're going to look at four things about following Jesus. All right, let's look at the first one. What it requires. What does following Jesus require? Two things. First, following Jesus requires you to recognize Jesus' authority. When Jesus says to Simon, Andrew, James, and John, follow me, it was actually shocking in Jesus' day because the pupils in Jesus' day, they chose their own master. They chose uh, their own rabbi who they wanted to follow. Uh, But Jesus says, no, you follow me. Later in the same chapter, you see the miracles of Jesus, you see the power of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, and it says that the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, and they were all amazed, it says, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this, a new teaching with authority? In other words, who is this person? They were amazed by his authority. And Jesus says, you follow me. It's not an an option. All other roads lead to destruction. I'm commanding you to follow me because it's the best thing for you and the world. Second, following Jesus requires recognizing Jesus as both Savior and King. This is important. Again, Jesus says, repent and believe in the gospel, and right after that, follow me. When he says, repent and believe, he is saying, I'm your savior. When he says, follow me, he's saying, I am your king. And you cannot, 
you cannot separate those two. It's, it's easy to approach Jesus by saying, you know, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for, for being my savior. But I don't need a king. You can't separate the two. And if you do, you have a Jesus, not of the scriptures, but of your own imagination. Jesus is your savior and king. Jesus is your savior because he is your king. If he was not your king, he would not be your savior. In fact, he would not have the authority to save you. He saves you because he has the authority of king, of kings. See, there's a difference between being an admirer of Jesus and being a follower of Jesus. If you say, I believe in Jesus, but I'm not feeling connected to Jesus, I think a really good thing for, for all of us to do whenever we feel that way is to check to see if we're actually following Jesus, if we've just simply wandered off to do our own thing, consciously or subconsciously. The truth is, you'll feel closer to Savior Jesus when you're actively following King Jesus. So that's first. What's required to follow Jesus? Recognize Jesus' authority and that he is both Savior and King. Next, what's it mean? The next main point. What's it mean to follow Jesus? Well, first, it means that King Jesus is your highest priority. King Jesus is your highest priority. Verse 17, Jesus saw Simon and Andrew, fishermen. Jesus said to them, follow me. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And Jesus saw James and John in their boat mending nets. And immediately Jesus called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed Jesus. They just left their dad sitting there in the boat. Now, in that traditional culture, family was everything. We, we see a lot of people in our, in our culture today, uh, intentionally or not, thoughtfully or not, you see a lot of people in our culture today walk away from their family or neglect their family, and often in the pursuit of their career. And in our day, it seems like most people it, it's more difficult to walk away from your career, all that you've built up with all of your education and all your hard work to get there. When you see these two guys, or these four guys rather, drop their family business, I, I want you to personalize that. It's just easy to just kind of skim right through that. I mean, would you drop everything and anything to follow Jesus? I mean, would you forsake Whatever it takes, anything it takes to make Jesus your highest priority. That is what it means to follow Jesus. That is what is required to follow Jesus. Now that sounds extreme. But I think we all understand this more than we realize. 
We all, every single one of us, sacrifices for what we find to be most important to us. It's usually the wrong thing that is most important to us. And we end up using people or neglecting people we should be loving to get it. Like sacrificing your family to be successful in your career. But sacrificing for Jesus is always what is best for you and is always what is best for everyone else in your life. It's just hard to see sometimes because sacrifice is painful. Uh, I don't know, maybe, you, maybe you're thinking, okay, that, I'm starting to process that, but why, why does Jesus have to pit himself against family and work? I mean, doesn't the Bible say that family is really important, that work is a good thing? Absolutely, yes. But it says that those things cannot be the most important thing. It'll ruin you and the people around you in practical ways and in spiritual ways. See, if your family becomes what's most important to you, you'll end up destroying your family. They... Your family cannot possibly live up to your expectations. So you'll either be demanding and use them or you will resent them or just be disappointed in them all the time. Do you see how family first can just backfire? I mean, it sounds so good, but it backfires. Scottish evangelist and teacher Oswald Chambers said, No love of the natural heart is safe unless the human heart has been satisfied by God first. See, the things and the people uh, you love weren't designed to be the most important thing in, in your life. I mean, they can't take the weight that you want to give it, and so they break under that. Second, following Jesus means following Jesus when you don't know where he's leading you. You know, the early disciples, we see this throughout the the Gospels, the early disciples thought Jesus was, was going to overthrow the Roman Empire and rule the world in their day. And, and they're angling for positions of power and saying, you know what, Jesus, I'll, I'll be your right-hand man, Jesus, or I'll be your left-hand man. And we're going we're gonna to rule with all the perks and the power and prestige right here, right now, because we follow Jesus. That's why they were following Jesus. Just one of the many places throughout the Gospels we see the disciples doing this was later in Mark where it says, they disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. But then their king, who was supposed to give them the power and the prestige and the perks, got crucified. So what's that mean for them? Jesus certainly was not who they decided he was supposed to be. He got crucified. What does that mean for his followers, their persecution and martyrdom? And we see throughout the New Testament and other historical documents, following Jesus means following him when you don't know where he's leading you. 
and it's probably best to not assume the specifics. I know some of you are paralyzed with fear because as you're trying to follow Jesus, you look ahead and there's just so much uncertainty. Uh, you received a medical diagnosis and you have no idea what that's going to mean for you, what that mean for, means for your life, what that means for your family. You lost your job and you were the main breadwinner and now it's looking bleak. Some of you are in a marriage that's on the rocks and, and can't see the light at the end of the tunnel and things are getting worse. And you're thinking, you know, couldn't Jesus stop this? If he wanted to, I thought Jesus wants what's best for me. Well, he does. It's just we don't really know what's best for us. Jesus comes to you and says, I know what's best for you and the people in your life and throughout the world, and I want you to follow me even though you don't know where it's going. And as you hear me say, this is critical. Jesus says, as you hear me say, follow me, I also want you to hear me say, do not fear. The one statement God gives to his people more than any other statement in scripture is, do not fear. I am with you. Others of you here this morning, following Jesus means to follow Jesus when you just don't like where he's leading you. Following Jesus when you don't like where he's leading you. Maybe you're in a situation where Jesus is leading you to speak the truth and love to a friend, but you fear the loss of that friendship. Maybe he's leading you to break up uh, that, that unhealthy relationship with that person that you're dating. Uh, you know that it's wrong, but you fear the loss. Maybe Jesus is leading you to follow him with your time and your, your money, our two most precious commodities, right? But you fear the loss. Maybe you sense that Jesus is leading you to do something specific like adoption or, or uh, foster care or tutoring or, or supporting a refugee family, but you fear the loss, the time and the money, the energy. Maybe you look at the scriptures and there are parts that you don't understand and they seem regressive, like, like God's design and loving commands re regarding what is required uh, regarding sex so that it can be the beautiful thing it's meant to be, but you ignore it or disdain it because you fear the loss. You don't understand it. But Jesus, I mean, in all, Jesus, in all of that, in every area of your life, following Jesus means following Jesus even when you don't know where he's leading you, even when you don't like how he's leading you or what he's leading you to. So how can we follow him like that? With that kind of loyalty, with that kind of abandon, following Jesus no matter what. That's the third point, how to follow Jesus. Two words. The only way you can follow Jesus is if you trust Jesus. That's it. The only way you can follow Jesus is if you trust Jesus. 
if you trust Jesus for who he is and what he has done for you. When, you know, this is important to understand. Jesus, when he says, follow me, he's not being narcissistic, right? When Jesus says, follow me, he's not making a loveless, narcissistic power play. Commanding us to follow him is the best thing for us in the world. He calls us to follow him because he loves us. And, he know, and we know that he loves us because he tells us over and over and over and over and over again. And then he proved it when he lived for us and died for us to save us and make us his family. Knowing that Jesus loves you and that you can trust him is the only way that we can follow him. I mean, I remember, I remember when my kids were little and uh, we had a swimming pool at my parents' house and Kids were on the diving board on the deep end before they could really swim, and they're wearing the floaties. And I'd be in the deep end, and I'd tell them to to jump in the pool, and they didn't even hesitate. They just jumped right in. They knew I'd catch them. They knew that I loved them, and it made me a little nervous that they trusted me so much, and it made me want to be more more careful. But they they knew that their dad loved them and wanted the best for them, and didn't want them hurt or anything bad to happen to them. When Jesus says, follow me, it's based on his love, not for himself, but for us. You know, there's, a, there's an old song, and I guess nobody, nobody sings it anymore. I haven't heard it in a long, long time. Um, it's a song called, I've Decided to Follow Jesus. And it says, I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. Though none go with me, I will follow, no turning back. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back. It's an old song, and and it both fires me up and makes me sad. The, The expression of die hard loyalty stirs my heart like nothing else, and I know that it's right. But I know that so often, There are times that I doubt him and therefore don't follow him. The theologian John Owen wrote in his book, Mortification of Sin, this. When someone sets his affections on the cross and the love of Christ, he crucifies the world as a dead and undesirable thing. The baits of sin lose their attraction and disappear. Fill your affections with the cross of Christ and you will find no room for sin. So Christianity says to follow Jesus wherever he leads you, so you gotta trust him. And you can only do that because Jesus has done everything that he's called you to to do and he's called me to do. I mean, he absolutely left everything. He left his father and followed the father's will and that led him into the very heart of darkness and he died on the cross for our sin. He kept on following because he knew at the end of the road it would lead to you becoming his family and God being glorified. See, you can follow him no matter what the uncertainties are Because ultimately, it's going to lead you to the embrace of your perfect, loving, heavenly Father. Jesus says, I am your highest priority. Follow me. 
even if you don't know where you're going, even if you don't like it. His call to trust and trust him and follow him is based on his love and his sovereignty. Last, who will I be if I follow Jesus? Following Jesus means that you will become fishers of men. You will become fishers of men. And that's what he says in verse 17. Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Jesus says, as you follow me, I'm going to fill your life with mission. I'm going to fill your life with purpose. Uh, uh, to call Purpose and mission to call uh, others to start following that road as well to the love of God the Father. To follow Jesus is to make followers of Jesus. To be a disciple of Jesus is to make disciples of Jesus. That's, that's why we say in our, our mission statement, whatever you want to call it, we're all about leading people to and through a life-changing relationship with Jesus and his family. Not just the staff, not just the professional pastors, not just like the home group leaders. We all have a part to play in that. Making disciples of Jesus happens when it is the overflow of your delight in being a disciple of Jesus, right? Following Jesus leads you to become fishers of men. And I got to tell you that I am so encouraged. I am so encouraged to watch my brothers and sisters in this church live out their faith. And I love it when I see people respond to a call to live out their faith. One of the ways that this has been encouraging me uh, lately has been through the food ministry. The need has exploded, therefore the, 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 the ministry has exploded. I mean, hundreds of, of families and people being, being served in Jesus' name. And, and seeing, as I, seeing people, the, the team, work hard with joy and sacrifice. Even like just a few weeks ago, it was pouring down Rain, everybody was cold and soaked, and they were working the rain some for over five hours. And then this last weekend, people working hard when it was like a thousand degrees outside. And you know what? What's great? Even though it was difficult, even though it cost them time and energy and money, there was a camaraderie and a joy and a sense of purpose and mission. Serving people in Jesus' name. And it's led to conversations with, with people who show up and prayer for them and prayer uh, for each other and opportunities for uh, testimonies to be shared about how the gospel, the good news of Jesus, has radically changed our heart. And, it, you know... That is the purpose behind the serving. Jesus served us, so we serve others. Jesus was generous to us, so, so we're generous uh, to others. And now we're seeing some of the people who are showing up uh, who need a hand are beginning to lend a hand and, and, and becoming part of what's happening here. And it's all centered on who Jesus is and what he's done. And as we follow him, we represent him. To be a Christian is to be a disciple of Jesus, and to be a disciple of Jesus is to make 
disciples of Jesus. And I know we're busy, the tyranny of the urgent. But Jesus says, I want you to repent and believe and follow me. Loving Jesus and your neighbors is to want other people to follow Jesus. And your neighbors could be your children, your next-door neighbors, your friends, extended family. You are fishers of men. That is God's call on your life. And it's going to look different from person to person, depending on your stage in life, your opportunities or lack of opportunities. It's going to be different, but everybody plays a part. And it's with no arrogance. And it's with no self-righteousness. It is with no mocking. I know there are a lot of, there's a lot of people who preach the gospel and have adopted a mocking approach to people, which is beyond me. It's, it's following your mission, leading people to Jesus without disregarding tone and, and approach. It's a way we express love for the person, not just for ourselves. It's done with humility and confidence. It's one starving person inviting another starving person to the banquet It's like both humble and confident. The most exquisite food is free. In the Old Testament, Isaiah, we read, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. And in the New Testament, Jesus says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. It is free. Because Jesus paid it all. Man-made religion says, if you want to come to the banquet, you need to be clean and a good person and obey the rules. The gospel says, if you want to come to the banquet, you have to realize, admit that you cannot possibly pay or be good enough or clean enough. Jesus Christ has paid it all. And he says, come to the banquet and humbly receive. The last song that we're going to sing today is called, All Glory Be to Christ. It says, his will be done, his kingdom come on earth as it is above, who is himself our daily bread. Praise him, the Lord of love. Let living water satisfy the thirst without price. We'll take a cup of kindness, yet all glory be to Christ. Let me close with this. What will it lead to? Jesus says, follow me and become fishers of men. Jesus will give you a sense of mission and purpose that will fill your soul, even though it costs you. And you will live and breathe the gospel and bless those that God puts in your life with the love and the truth of Jesus. When Jesus calls you to follow him, he doesn't promise you that you're going to be happy But he says, if you follow me, you will be on mission with me. And in that mission, all the world will rejoice because the gospel of the good news of grace and the renewal and flourishing of the world has come with Jesus Christ. So repent, believe, follow me, Jesus says, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow the road wherever it goes And as you follow, other people will follow that road to a loving Savior, and their souls will be made full like yours. Amen?
Amen. Would you bow your heads with me?